are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, I invite you to head over to Facebook and look for the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with me and other listeners and followers of the podcast. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her holy example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 158. And we are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 13, Paragraphs 522 to 529. 522. Then Most Holy Mary and Joseph took counsel concerning the name to be given to the Divine Infant in the circumcision. And the Holy Spouse said, My Lady, when the Holy Angel of the Most High informed me of this great sacrament, he also told me that thy most sacred Son should be called Jesus. The virgin mother answered, This same name was revealed to me when he assumed flesh in my womb, and thus receiving this name from the Most High through the mouth of his holy angels, his ministers, it is befitting that we conform in humble reverence with the hidden and inscrutable judgments of his infinite wisdom in conferring it on my Son and Lord, and that we call him Jesus. This name we will propose to the priest for inscription in the register of the other circumcised children. 5.23 While the great mistress of heaven and St. Joseph thus conversed with each other, innumerable angels descended in human forms from on high, clothed in shining white garments on which were woven red embroideries of wonderful beauty. They had palms in their hands and crowns upon their heads and emitted a greater splendor than many suns. In comparison with the beauty of these holy princes, all the loveliness seen in this world appeared repulsive, but preeminent in splendor were the devices or escutcheons on their breasts, on each of them with the sweet name of Jesus was engraved or embossed. The effulgence which each of these escutcheons emitted exceeded that of all the angels together, and the variety of the beauty thus exhibited in this great multitude was so rare and exquisite as neither human tongue can express, nor human imagination ever compass. The holy angels divided into two choirs in the cave, keeping their gaze fixed upon the king and lord in the arms of his virginal mother. The chiefs of these heavenly cohorts were the two princes, St. Michael and St. Gabriel, shining in greater splendor than the rest and bearing in their hands as a special distinction the most holy name of Jesus, written in larger letters on something like cards or incomparable beauty and splendor. 
5.24 The two princes presented themselves apart from the rest before their queen and said, Lady, this is the name of thy son, Matthew 1.21, which was written in the mind of God from all eternity, in which the blessed Trinity is given to thy only begotten Son, and our Lord as the signal of salvation for the whole human race, establishing him at the same time on the throne of David. He shall reign upon it, chastise his enemies, and triumph over them, making them his footstool, and passing judgment upon them. He shall raise his friends to the glory of his right hand. But all this is to happen at the cost of suffering and blood. And even now he is to shed it in receiving this name, since it is that of the Savior and Redeemer. It shall be the beginning of his sufferings in obedience to the will of his eternal Father. We all come as ministering spirits of the Most High, appointed and sent by the Holy Trinity in order to serve the only begotten the Father, and thy own in all the mysteries and sacraments of the law of grace. We are to accompany him and minister to him until he shall ascend triumphantly to the celestial Jerusalem, and open the portals of heaven. Afterwards we shall enjoy a special accidental glory beyond that of the other blessed, to whom no such commission has been given. All this was witnessed to the most fortunate spouse, Joseph, conjointly with the Queen of Heaven. But his understanding of these happenings was not so deep as hers, for the Mother of Wisdom understood and comprehended the highest mysteries of the Redemption. Although St. Joseph understood many more mysteries than other mortals, yet he did not penetrate them in the same way as his heavenly spouse. Both of them, however, were full of heavenly joy and admiration, and extolled the Lord in new canticles of glory. All that they experience in these various and wonderful effects surpass human language, and certainly my own powers and I cannot find adequate words for expressing my conceptions. Instruction which Mary, our Most Holy Lady, gave me. 5.25 My daughter... I wish to renovate in thee the enlightened teaching which thou hast received in order that thou mayest treat with thy spouse in the highest reverence. For humility and reverential fear should increase in the soul in the same measure in which special and extraordinary favors are conferred upon it. On account of not being mindful of this truth, many souls either make themselves unworthy or incapable of great blessings or, if they receive them, grow into a dangerous rudeness and torpidity, which offends the Lord very much. The loving sweetness with which the Lord often treats them engenders in them a certain presumption and disrespectful forwardness, causing them to deal with his infinite majesty in an irreverent manner, and with a vain desire of searching and inquiring into those hidden ways of God, which are far above their comprehension and capacity." They fall into this presumption because they judge of the familiar intercourse with God according to the imperfect insight of mortals, presuming to regulate it after the friendly intercourse of human creatures with one another. 5.26 But in this way of judging, the soul is much deceived, measuring the reverence and respect due to the infinite majesty by the familiarity and equality caused by the human love of mortals to one another. The rational creatures are by nature equal to each other, although the conditions and circumstances of each may be different, and the familiarity of human love and friendship may disregard the accidental differences in yielding to the human feelings. But the love of God must ever be mindful of the immeasurable excellence of the infinite being, since its object is, as well, the infinite goodness as the infinite majesty of God, 
For just because the goodness and majesty in God are inseparable, therefore also reverence must not be separated from love of God in the creature. The light of divine faith must always go before, manifesting to the one that loves the greatness of the object loved, awakening and fomenting reverential fear, restraining the exuberance of blind affections, and bridling them by the memory of the excellence and superiority of the Beloved. 527. If the creature is noble-hearted, practiced in and accustomed to holy and reverential fear, it is not in such danger of forgetting the respect due to the Most High, no matter how great the favors it receives, for it does not give itself up unguardedly to the spiritual delights and does not lose on account of them the discreet consciousness of the Supreme Majesty, but it respects and reverences him in proportion to the greatness of his divine love and enlightenment. With such souls the Lord converses as one friend with another. Exodus 33.11 Let it therefore, my daughter, be to thee an inviolable rule that the closer the embraces and the greater the delights with which the Most High visits thee, so much the more unremitting shall be the consciousness of the immutable and infinite majesty, extolling and loving him at one and the same time. In this wise consciousness thou wilt learn to know and estimate more becomingly the greatness of his favors. Thou wilt avoid the dangerous presumption of those who lightly inquire into the secrets of the Lord at each trivial or even important event, imagining that his most wise providence should pay attention to or regard the vain curiosity excited by some passion or disorder or some human and reprehensible affection, far removed from holy zeal and love. 5.28. Take notice of the cautiousness with which I proceeded in my duties, since, as regards finding grace in the eyes of the Lord, a vast difference always remains between the efforts of other creatures and my own. Nevertheless, though, I held in my arms God himself as his true mother. I never presumed to ask him to explain to me anything whatever by extraordinary revelation, neither for the sake of knowing it or for the sake of ridding myself of suffering, nor for any other merely human reason. For all this would have been human weakness, vain and vicious curiosity, which could find no room in me. Whenever necessity urged it upon me for the glory of his majesty, or some circumstances made it unavoidable, I asked permission to propose my wishes. Although I always found him most propitious, ready to answer me with kindness and mercifully urging me to declare my wishes, I nevertheless humiliated myself to the dust and merely asked him to inform me of what was most pleasing and acceptable in his eyes. 529. Write this doctrine in thy heart, my daughter, and guard thyself against the disorderly and curious desire of searching into or knowing anything above the powers of the human intellect. For besides the fact that the Lord makes no response to such foolish inquiry, because it displeases him very much, remember that the demon is the real author of this fault in those who are in pursuit of a spiritual life. As he is ordinarily the author of such blameworthy inquiries, astutely promoting them in the soul, he also satisfies its curiosity by answering them himself at the same time, assuming the appearance of an angel of light, and thus deceiving the imperfect and the unwary. 2 Corinthians 12.14 When such inquisitiveness arises from one's own natural inclination, one must be equally careful not to follow or attend to it. For in what concerns such high matters as familiar intercourse with the Lord, one's own reason and judgment is not a safe guide, it being hampered by evil inclinations and passions. Our depraved and infected nature has been thrown into great disorder by sin, 
and is subject to much confusion and excess, making it unfit for guidance and direction in the high things of God. Equally wrong is it for the soul to rely on divine revelations in order to free itself from suffering and labor. For the spouses of Christ and his true servants must not seek his favor for the purpose of avoiding the cross, but in order to seek and bear it with the Lord. Matthew 16:24, Patiently enduring the sufferings, which his divine providence chooses to send. This course of action I desire thee to maintain in humble fear, and rather to go to extremes in this regard, so as to avoid so much the more securely the opposite fault. From now on I wish that thou perfect all thy motives and thy undertakings by divine love, as being the great end of all thy undertakings. In this thou needest not observe degree or measure. On the contrary, I wish thee to create in thee an excess of love, accompanied by so much of holy fear, as will suffice to keep thee from transgressing the law of the Most High, and to perform all thy exterior and interior acts in rectitude. Be careful and diligent therein, even if it costs thee much exertion and pain. For I have endured the same in the circumcision of my Most Holy Son, and for no other reason than because in his holy law this was manifested and intimated to me as the will of the Lord, whom we must in all things fully obey. This concludes our reading today for day number 158. We've been reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 13, Paragraphs 522 to 529. Today in our reading, we hear about how Jesus is given that name. We know that it was in a vision, in a dream received by St. Joseph, that he was told that his name was going to be Jesus. Joseph took counsel concerning the name to be given to the divine infant in the circumcision, and the holy spouse said, My lady, when the holy angel of the Most High informed me of this great sacrament, he also told me that thy most sacred son should be called Jesus. And so Joseph and Mary enter into a dialogue about this name. This is a name that means God heals, God saves. This is who Jesus is. He becomes the savior and healer of the world. That what happened in the fall now is healed by this infant who comes to us to be our savior and our redeemer. The name of Jesus, as the letter of St. Paul says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend in heaven and under the heavens and on earth. In our own lives, then, we should cultivate a great love for this name of the Savior, revealed to Joseph and given to him during his circumcision. Jesus. We hear his name taken in vain so often. Maybe you know people in your immediate circle. Maybe today already you have been scandalized by the use of Jesus' name. I know my ears always perk up when I hear the name of the Lord taken in vain. And for us, then, we have to do something to atone for that. Oftentimes, as a priest confessor, if someone confesses this, I will assign to them the Our Father, Because in that prayer, we say, hallowed be thy name. So we restore the holiness and the sacredness in the name of Jesus. In the divine praises, we say, blessed be the name of Jesus. 
And maybe as we hear his name taken in vain, that's our immediate response. Blessed be your name, O Lord. We are contrite on behalf of the other person because we know that there is power in the name of Jesus. We know that it is by his name that we have been saved. And it is his name that has been proclaimed to all the nations. It is his name that missionaries have shed their blood over. And so we thank the Lord for who he is, that he is a God who saves and a God who heals, that he was given the name Jesus. The lesson of Our Lady given to Maria of Agreda spoke about reverential fear. And really, that's what we should have with that name of Jesus, a reverence, a fear of misusing that name, of wanting it always to be holy, wanting it always to be sacred. In your own life, examine the use of the name of Jesus and be sure to use it as a prayer in your own life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.